Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You could do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. We're going to read from Proverbs uh, chapter 17, verse 9. One who forgives an affront fosters friendship, but one who dwells on disputes will alienate a friend. And then... Our next reading comes from the book of John, chapter 15, uh, verses 12 through 17. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. And I think I missed one of the Proverbs readings. Sorry, Pastor Aaron. Um, (laughs) Jumping back to Proverbs, (laughs) chapter 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and kinsfolk are born to share adversity. Uh, This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. My name is Erin James Brown. Uh, My pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, And before we get started, I just want to apologize uh, that I forgot the bulletins. It's like all my fault. And uh, I I will, I am asking forgiveness uh, and thank, Grace be to God. Thanks be to God. I'll be standing at the door as you head out, aggressively making eye contact with anyone I don't recognize, which I'm very new here, so I don't recognize everyone. But I'll uh, take down all your information if you are willing to give it to me, because I would love to take you out for coffee, or someone from our leadership team would love to take you out for coffee and get to know you better. Thanks be to God for grace and forgiveness. Will you pray with me? God, you have not left us alone. No, you, God, saw creation hurting and in pain and inserted yourself in our community, coming as a baby, walking alongside us in storm and trial, in time of famine, offering more bread and fish than we could consume. And so you, God, do not leave us alone now but you have instructed us to be community to one another. Not just uh, friends, but companions in the journey. 
And so, God, we ask that you continue to teach us how to show up for one another, how to ask for forgiveness when we need it, and how to be vulnerable in times of adversity and in times when the storms are raging. We offer ourselves and this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The community, this community at Urban Village Church Edgewater has shown up for me in so many ways this week. I went home tired and really sweaty to a large dog who then licked all the sweat off of my legs. I don't know why he does that, but he does. And I got home and collapsed on the couch to turn to my spouse and say, the people showed up for me this week because we went out and set up this tent that was blowing away in the winds of Edgewater. Uh, We went out onto the streets and made buttons with this button maker that was not intuitive, and it was not easy to understand how to work it. It also took lots of muscle and strength to pry it open. And you all, some of you here, I see you, and I saw pictures of you, were out there telling the city telling the people of Edgewater that God's love is real, that our community exists and that they are welcome there. And so I thank you so much for being there. I also thank you for showing up to do slides and to welcome others. It is a community that makes church happen. It is not me as a pastor, but it is us doing life together, getting mixed up with one another. Also, EdgeFest, the edgiest fest in Chicago, is still happening today. You can walk down the street just four blocks, and there will be really awkward people walking by, dogs walking by to lick the sweat off your legs, and there will be people making buttons. Our reading today came from two passages, uh, from John and from Proverbs. Proverbs was kind of like the book that uh, everybody else in the Near East, ancient Eastern... Near East ancient community was writing all these like pop sayings that then people could like carve out into wood and put in their living room that said like, live, laugh, love. Uh, And so everybody was doing that in the ancient Near Eastern community. And so the Hebrew people were like, oh, we got to get on that bandwagon. And they came up with Proverbs and put a stamp of seal of approval on it and into our Bible. And then also the gospel of John makes me feel like I've taken an illicit drug and then kind of tripped out a little bit and read through uh, the story of Jesus' account in this world. You know, there are gospels, right? There are four and they each have a different like feel and flavor. The gospel of John is the trippiest of all the gospels. In the gospel of John, we find Jesus reclining at his table, sitting back a little fat and happy from this large, illustrious meal, and he, he had just washed the disciples' feet, all of them, even the one who was going to betray him, not once, not twice, but thrice, that girl was going to betray him, and still he washed their feet. After sopping up the last of his supper, Jesus began to t- tail, spin tails, and these uh, he likes to use simile and metaphor And so uh, he speaks in these slippery words of simile and metaphor of vines and branches, of rivers and living water, and in this passage, fruit and living fruit. 
All of these images bring forth what the ancient Near Eastern people would have seen around them, the tangible grapevines growing and snaking through their midst. And as Jesus's end is approaching, what does he want his followers to know? Because you know, like after someone dies, you start reliving those last moments you shared with them. These are the moments that he wants his followers to look back and remember and try and grab on. And what does he talk about? Love. Love of friend. Love of God for humankind. Mutual mutuality found in the bond and incarnation of Jesus and love that bears fruit for the world for, to benefit. And though he knows that they will deny him, that one will deny him, not once, not twice, but three times that shady little friend will deny him. Although he knows that his acquaintances will also deny him and demand another free so that they can see Jesus's bloody body hang instead. Although he knows his disciples won't prepare his dead body for burial, but that it will be his frenemy who comes and anoints him. Still, Jesus says, you are no longer my servants. You are my friends. About every four or five weeks or so, Urban Village Church starts a new sermon series. And so we have four sites throughout the city of Chicago. So all the way from Hyde Park Woodlawn, bussing up to the edge of town here in Edgewater, we talk about the same passages and we talk about the same themes because we believe it is so important what God is doing in our community. And so we're starting a new sermon series this morning called, Is Anyone Out There? Is anyone out there? You are out there, but sometimes in the, the bleakest moments of night, I find myself scrolling through Instagram. Did you know Instagram added a part to the app now that tells you how long you've been on it throughout the day? It is a damning part of the app, and I refuse to look at it. But there are times late at night or after a long day, I'm just scrolling through weird videos of dogs or cats trying to escape and to look for community and connection. And so at Urban Village Church, we have these uh, sermon series to talk about the relevance of what God's doing in our lives. And we have pastors at each site. We don't do this where we beam in a satellite and some cisgender white, okay, well, you know, straight man comes in and tells us what to do. Uh, instead, we have pastors at each site telling about the relevance of what each community needs to hear because we believe that the beloved community is unique in each space and reflects the neighborhood around it. And so we're talking about friendship over the next four to five weeks because friendship is so important. Pixar creates whole movies and sings songs about it because Mr. Rogers created this creepy little neighborhood out of cardboard around it because our Christian tradition is built upon it. Because Jesus said in the not, his last night with his followers, you are no longer my servants. You are my friends. And so we trust that this Christian tradition then built off of what was popular in Greek theory or Greek uh, philosophy, these loves. There are four loves in the Christian tradition. And C.S. Lewis, if you know of C.S. Lewis, he's a kind of a bonkers writer, if you're really into like really weird fantasy. He's also a Christian theologian. 
And he created, or he built off of Plato, the four loves that we understand in Christian Christianity. The first one is agape. So we're going to get a little nerdy. You ready? Agape. Agape is the love of God for the world. God sees that the world is broken and hurting. And God says, I will offer myself for the world. And so agape is this love that heals and offers care for the world. And then it shoots out and sends out for the rest of creation that God cradles in God's hands, this love of the world and of creation creating ever-inclusive merciful world, ever-inclusive bending that arc towards justice. This is agape love. And then there's also eros love. Can you think of what the etymology of eros might come from? Like erotic, you know, a little, a little tingly feeling. Eros love is the kind of love that makes you want to hold hands with someone on the CTA, or it makes you... <laughs> Stay up way too late, lingering, looking in someone's eyes and batting your lashes. And then Eros love after time kind of turns into this more comfortable feeling where you just, instead of holding hands, you just giggle at the same jokes. Eros love is the celebrating of learning a new type of love that causes butterflies, but also that causes a deep sense of comfort in one's spirit. And then there's this other one that's very weird. It's called Storgi. Storgy love, it's actually not weird, but it's this love around, <laughs> I just like the word. It sounds very like, it's got a good mouthfeel, storgy. And storgy love is the love that uh, of a committed unit, whether it's a family or a chosen family. These are people that come together, whether you accepted them or not, whether you wanted them or not. And storgy loves knows that God is not finished with us yet, but that God continues to work not only through us, but through others and through these smaller humans who have been brought into our lives or through younger humans that have been brought into our lives and need the instruction and the care of this storgy community, this storgy love to invest in them. And so uh, storgy love is often thought about in families, loving and celebrating one another. A storgy kind of love is a love that gathers around meals, that holds a crying person until they fall asleep, and that smiles at the small and celebrates new learnings we see in one another. This is storgy love. And then the last love is philea or philia. Can you imagine where that etymology comes from or have you heard it somewhere? Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, which is named after this philea. Philea love is the love of friendship. And friendship is not just, we should say, showing up and saying hello to people. It's not just grabbing a beer or your favorite kind of cocktail or your favorite non-alcoholic drink after work. It's not just showing up on a Sunday morning and smiling and nodding and being so grateful that we have name tags at our church because you can't remember that person's name. No, philea love is deeper. Some scholars believe it is actually the most important love because it's not always recognized or celebrated by our society. Philea love is in fact, is actually kind of under threat of extinction if we are not careful to follow Jesus' example of friendship. Because I don't know if you know this, but friendship is not easy. Um, people can go their whole life without experiencing friendship. One, because heteronormativity, that like 
thing that we're kind of all caught up in is really terrible and tells people that you can't be friends with people of the same gender because that looks a little weird. Or you can't be friends with people of the opposite gender because that looks a little weird. And that's all just nastiness trying to keep us apart when really what we deeply crave for is deep connection with one another, friendship. There are also systemic things that try and keep us away from developing deep friendships. There's work or this society that tries to tell us that work is the most important thing and you have to work harder and longer, or you're just working to make pay because you have to make pay because the life is so expensive. And then at the end of the day, you're so tired. There's no room for friendship. There are also uh, reasons like um, companies that profit off of our isolation and prevent us from friendship. Did you know that our phones and our tablets are built so incredibly, like it's so nefarious the way they are created because the colors on the screen are meant to make us addicted to them so that we are sticking to scrolling rather than having conversations with the person sitting next to us because we're drawn to the colors in the screen. So companies keep building in this isolation within us because they want to take our money and take our uh, information. Also, friendship is undervalued by institutions. If you go into the hospital, into the emergency room, you will not be allowed, if your friends will not be allowed back to be with you unless they are legally with, like legally related to you or have legal permission to do so. There are institutional and systemic things that want to keep us apart, keep us from being in relationship with each other. There are also things within ourselves that want to keep us apart. Because I don't know if you're like this, but um, I'm like this, where I, I'm going to try and sit in a skirt. Let's see if this works. Where I love taking care of others. It is so gratifying to offer help and a meal and a prayer for someone else. But coming up here and apologizing for bringing the bulletins is a terrible, for not bringing the bulletins is a terrible feeling. I love offering help, but having to receive help, having to be vulnerable with someone and saying, my husband and I are trying to have a baby. And it's not working, not for lack of trying. <laughs> and it's hard and it sucks. And I need care. Being vulnerable like that with community is hard. And so we lock ourselves up and we don't share of who we are with one another because it's too hard and it doesn't feel as good as giving and helping and feeling like we have it in control because when we share and are vulnerable with each other, then we set off changing the power structure in the room and people have to then take care of us and we no longer have it all together. And so we also prevent ourselves from experiencing community and friendship because we're unwilling to receive care. But thankfully, this is what Jesus told us to do in his last waking moments, was that we are called to be a community and covenant with one another. And covenant just simply is a fancy word to say, we get our lives messed up with one another. 
mixed up and scrambled in. This is what it means when we are baptizing someone and we bring a baby or an adult human before us and say, you are a beloved child of God. You are ours and we are yours. We are in deep relationship with you. This is what it means when we have membership and we invite people to be members of our community. We say, you, you now have made Urban Village Church your home. Not only do you belong to God, but you deeply belong to us and we commit to being in deep relationship with you, showing up when times are hard. Well, we also need you to show up and tell us when you need help because that is what community is. Being beloved for one another, admitting to one another when we need care because I don't know if you know this, uh, there's this little secret that we're all keeping and not telling each other. Suffering is real. Suffering occurs to every human being. Jesus shows us that because Jesus himself was not beyond suffering, but then also experienced not only life, but death, a horrific death. And so we know the night Jesus was about to suffer, he still communicated to his friends, you are my friends. And so we know that human suffering is real. And it includes, it's human suffering, let me just tell you. Not only is Urban Village inclusive, but human suffering is so radically inclusive. It includes our body. It includes the rich and the famous. It includes those people who look like they're lucky and have all their stuff together. It includes you and me. It includes the most privileged and the least privileged. Suffering comes in those larger, macro, easily identified forms of systemic injustice and abuse and fear, but it also comes in those micro individualized forms of stress, financial insecurity and illness that wreaks havoc on the body, that consumes our thoughts. Suffering comes in the form of loss, loss of a pregnancy, not being able to get pregnant, coming in the loss of precious life, whether it's old or young. To be human is to suffer. And that's what Jesus' life and death teaches us. And to be in community is to be a community of people suffering. Which means it also mean, it means we are admitting to one another when we fail, when we are suffering. We say, because I am, an, I am a human. I have inabilities within me. I will fail you someday and cause you suffering. We know this to, to be true. And this is why we find ourselves in church crawling before Jesus saying, please forgive me, but also please heal me. Also, God, please deal with this suffering. So why do we prevent, why do we pretend suffering isn't real? Why do we pretend that adversity doesn't afflict us? Or that, we aren't lonely. It's easier to show up and smile at one another and pretend like we're going about our day than to come up to someone and say, I don't know anyone here. Can you introduce me? I can't do it alone. That's the really scary thing to say because we don't know if the person will be able to hear it 
and take our hand and guide us along. But what community does and what Jesus is telling his disciples to do in his last moments is that when someone comes to you being vulnerable, you know, you know because of human suffering and the human condition what it's like to need forgiveness and to need relationship and to need healing. And so when someone comes to you, it is your call to take their hand and to guide them into relationship with others. But it's also your call to know that when you are suffering, to be able to share that with community because friends, I receive emails from you and text messages throughout the week. And you apologize for your suffering, saying, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I'm sad and lonely. And it's so nice that you do that for me and tell me as your pastor. But what we are supposed to be doing for each other also is doing it with one another coming together and sharing our suffering, but also sharing times when we need to be followed up with, when we need to have someone reaching out to us. We've been taught to care for one another. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive, as the saying goes. But really, really, you know that when someone shows up for you, that is such a blessing and a gift. We have fooled ourselves into thinking We are too privileged or experience too much adversity already or we are too good of a helper that we could never submit ourselves to even admitting we need help from one another. Rather, we would love to be charitable and loving deeply and forgiving quickly that to ask for help is a sign of weakness and it could tip the apple cart But friends, to be in beloved community means that we recline in one another's arms, even when death is coming. This kind of love knows, this phileia love knows that we will disappoint each other one day. I will disappoint you someday. And we will continue to remain in committed relationship, getting our lives increasingly mixed up with one another, like a blender of history and emotions and stories and times we hurt each other and will continue to show up. If we can't let others see us and are hurt, are we then preventing Jesus from seeing our hurt and our pain? If we can't let the community show up for us and be what sometimes feels like a savior in the night, are we preventing Jesus from being that savior in our lives? Because friends, sometimes I know you come in here crawling to Jesus's feet, begging for end to your suffering. And the way Jesus shows up for us is not through servants, but through friends. So I invite you to not pretend like it's okay. That when you are asking for help because you are tired or worn out or stressed out or torn up or broken or just simply broke, that when you are asking for help, this is a community where you can receive that care. But it takes a little bit of courage to step out 